The following sermon was preached at Selma Community Church, a church in Jefferson City that exists to build communities of transformed disciples who live for the glory of God by connecting people to Christ and community. For more information, you can find it at www.somajc.org. Peace be with you. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. I actually thought about putting a warning out uh, this week uh, for those that should probably like read ahead of where we're going to be. I'm going to start like adding up uh, putting on scripture like, hey, we're going to be here this week. Uh, if you don't know, the title of this chapter is Head Coverings. Uh, so, you know, nothing like starting with like the fun ones. Um, it always seems like we have more visitors on when we get the controversial subjects. Um, and so um, I'm okay with that, uh, just so you know. <laughs> but you may be uncomfortable. Um, just to make it even more fun, I just want to tell you the title of where I'm going to go today, uh, because there's lots of different ways we can go. We can go with like head covering, so we can talk about hijabs and turbans and stuff. We can go there. Uh, we could go with you know uh, um, marriage, and um, w- there's so many different directions that we could have gone. But I decided to take one of the more controversial ones and to just dig into that one because you know why skip through it? So uh, we are going to talk about the value of women in church. We're going to talk about the value of women in church. Because that's really, I think, in a lot of ways what this passage is trying to get at. But I think it's something that uh, I think in our convention of churches, I think in a lot of churches, we just skip through. Um, and it depends on your background, where you come from, all kinds of things. I, I, I think we, we don't know what to do with women in church. I expect an amen, but that's okay. We'll get those. Uh, I, 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 I honestly don't think we know what to do with it. Um, um, you know, I, I live in a family now. I, I live in a family now where uh, we have a praying grandmother. Um, some of y'all have heard about Grandma Mac. Uh, she is a matriarch in, in many ways. She prays. Uh, this, this Christmas, it was kind of fun because I saw her take her two youngest uh, great-grandchildren, put them on her lap, and read to them. And, 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 and this woman prays with an authority and a difference that I, I just I was like, wow, how, how amazing is this to see what's going on in this moment, this, this matriarch. And, and I come from a very matriarchal culture. Uh, but then we also live in the Western world, which is very patriarchal. We don't know what to do with that. And what happens a lot, a lot of times we find ourselves and we find ourselves either capitulating to the culture that's patriarchal or matriarchal and not looking at what the Bible has to say. And the Bible's a lot more nuanced than we'd care because it's a lot easier just to go, you know, full Andrew Tate, right? And it'd be a lot easier to go full feminist, right? Which, by the way, the feminist movement was started by Christians. Just a little history lesson there, too. Right? And so somewhere in the middle here is where God's word actually rests. And, and you've probably noticed that over and over, so I want to dig into that today. But I, I just want to uh, give you a couple quotes before we get started. There's this guy named John Dawson in the book Healing America's Wounds. He asserts this, and it's up on the screen. Again. He said, the wounds inflicted by men and women on each other constitute a fundamental fault line running beneath uh, all other human conflict. It is the biggest reconciliation uh, issue outside of our need to be reconciled to God. Florence Nightingale, you guys might have heard of her name. Woman to this day is remembered as the greatest embodiment, or one of the greatest embodiments of Christ's love. It recognized in her own day as a world authority for the care of the sick. Had to say this about the church. I would have given her my head, my heart, and my hand. She would not have them. She, the church, told me to go back and do crochet in my mother's drawing room. I'm pretty certain that she was neither the first or last Christian woman to feel that way. In a classic book, Men and Women, Enjoying the Difference of Christian, uh, 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 Christian Counselor and Professor Larry Crabb says this, 
when our identity is legitimately affirmed, we will become more distinctly masculine and feminine in all of our relationships. We will be eager to give what our sexuality equips us to give with the well-being of others in mind rather than that of ourselves. When we actually look at biblical femininity and biblical masculinity, it is a beautiful thing. And, and I want to broach a topic, and, and I'm going to try to be delicate. I, you guys don't know me to be delicate, but I'm going to try to be delicate, okay, <laughs> on the role of women and the role of men in church, uh, um, particularly in with really the contributions that women provide and the value that they add to all of our lives and ministry. We must, at the outset, reconcile a few truths. So let me just give these to you. These are before any points. Let me just give you the truth. Number one, men have also, uh, often hurt women. Treated them as inferior, overlooked, underappreciate their contribution to the kingdom of God. If you're not going to say it, I'll say it, and I'll just uh, I'll, I'll make sure it's nice and recorded so we have it out there on the internet too, right? Scripture clearly demonstrates that women have always played a vital role in ministry, and that is God's desire for them to continue to do so. Women have also hurt men, confusing their own ambition and hurt as justification to inappropriately question, and argue, and belittle men in their gifts and God-given roles. It goes both ways here. And we live in a society and culture that challenges God's authority and falsely teaches that human freedom is an essential value. And that's not it. Because human freedom being an essential value is absolutely incompatible with any role or gender differentiation. As a matter of fact, we don't even know what genders are anymore. We just, we just don't know. And because of this, it can be such a broad issue with so many areas of emphasis. We, we could go all over the place in application. But I just want to clarify that I'm not going to attempt to cover. I'm not going to attempt to cover in detail roles of men and women in marriage at home. I'm not going to try to cover in detail the role of pastor elder or even answer every possible question or objection to provide detailed exegesis of the relevant texts of today. We, we could go all over the place. We, we could. Rather, I just want to be an overview, a survey, if you may, of the biblical principles that are given from God of his will and design for the church and the role of women in the vital parts of the family. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 1. If you have you, if once you find that, I want you to stand in the honor and reading of God's word. And the word says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now I commend you. Because you remember me in everything, maintaining the traditions that I delivered to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the wife is her husband. The head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head uh, covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays and prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Since it is the same if her head were shaven. For a wife will not cover her head, then she should, cu um, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For the man ought not cover his head, since he's the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For the man was not made for, for woman, but woman for man. Neither was the man created for woman, but the woman for man. That's why the wife ought to have a sim symbol of authority uh, on her head, head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is is not independent of man, nor is the man of woman. For as the woman is made for man, and the man is uh, born of a woman, all things are from God. Judge for yourself 
if it's proper for a wife to pray uh, with, God, uh, with her head uncovered, does not the nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, that he's a, is a disgrace for him? But if a woman's long hair, is it not her glory? For if her hair is given to her as a covering, if anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you even for the tough passages. I thank you that we can look back over what you have created and your creation and find clarity. Father, even in the times that we live in, there is so much confusion on what a man is and what a woman is, what gender roles are, even a woman's place in the church. Father, you have designed every woman here. You have given them glorious, glorious things to do. We want to empower them in the way that you would see fit. Thank you so much that you would do this. Thank you that you would use us. And Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And we ask all this in your precious name. And all God's saints would say, Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you so much. So you can imagine, as I read the passage weeks and weeks ago, and I was like, well, this will be fun. Uh, I actually thought about uh, asking my wife to wear a turban today. It was not going to work out. Uh, she was not up for it. I thought it would be kind of funny, but then I, she did not find it funny, so it didn't happen. But I, I was wondering, like, what would we do with this passage? What would it look like? How do we go? And, like, how do, how do we encourage each other? Because we can go, you know, the angels. We can go, you know, the, the covering. We can go the authority, all the fun stuff. And we, we are going to deal with that. But I just want to talk about, if you're taking notes, write this down, the, the that everything was established at creation in the impact of sin. And, and that'll make sense in a little bit, but established at creation in the impact of sin. There's inherent value in men and women. I just want to say that again because I think our society denies that a lot of ways. There's an inherent value. According to Scripture, God made both male and female equally in His image. He blessed them and he gave, as a unit and gave them dominion. He gave them dominion or responsibility to love His creation, to make sure that His creation flourished. He said both of you, both male and female. I'm going to say that again. Both male and female equally display the brilliant glory of God. Both male and female were commissioned together to represent and serve him before all creation. Both male and female share unique, personal, intimate, uh, intimate relationship with the Lord God Almighty. Yet, yet they're given different distinct gender names, male, female, ish, isha in Hebrew. They're, they're given different names by God. But as one race, they're given one designation. They're the same. They're made in the same image. They're, they're, they're both with the subtext of each. They're both given that. And there's clear that as there, there's equal, there's equality of value in the reflection of image come both from man and woman. It must be clear that God created the male first. And then the female. Further, he created the man directly from the earth and the woman directly from man, is what the scripture says. And then they're equal parts in value as God, an equal degree to which they represent the image of God. But they're not identical in all respects. They're just not identical in all respects. They're physically different. They're physically different. Here, so my, my daughter has a friend that uh, runs cross country, and we went up to the state cross country meet. 
and we watched her run. I mean, she's a freshman that year we watched, and she was killing it. By the way, if you've ever gone to a cross-country meet, uh, if you haven't, let me let you know, you run too. Okay, I did not know that. I thought we went and we watched because I've gone to track meets. I was like, oh, this is great. Start, finish, great. No, 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 no. They shot the gun. Everybody in the crowd took off. And I was like, where are we going? <laughs> and they took off to another corner and they watched there. And we, we were both like, this is dumb. Okay, so they took off. And I mean, she killed it. And we watched her because he had to do like, I think it was two laps. And we watched her on the leaderboard. You saw her like started like 87th and move her way up. And she ended like 14th. It was amazing to watch this freshman girl kill it. I mean, she was just working her way up, right? And I was like, yay, this is great. And then we turned around and we we're congratulating her. We're over in the tent and we're like, hey, good job. You did such an amazing job. And then we went back up and the boys are about to go and the gun went off and that was a different speed. Holy moly. Like the crowd didn't even try to keep up. They kind of jogged over to the third turn, you know, like they were like, nah, I'm not doing this. They just took off because they're built differently. There's, there's, there's nothing wrong in acknowledging that. It just is different. On the other hand, gentlemen, I don't know if you've seen the video. I almost wanted to download this video. But I watched a video uh, this week of an influencer who uh, decided to put the pads on his, his stomach because he said he could go through period pains. And, and they turned it up, and it was just like, I think the girl had it on like three out of ten. And, she's, and, and it's funny because later on in the video, she puts it on herself. She goes, yeah, that's where I start. But, like, the dude was on the floor doubled over. Like, he's just like, ah, ah, be, why? Because women have a, have a pain threshold we don't have. Let, let's just say it. <laughs> like, we, we, we don't have it. <laughs> it. We may be big and tough and can hunt and kill, but we, they have a threshold we don't have. I will never forget Early in our marriage, my wife wakes me up. In the middle of the night, she's typing on a computer. I'm going, what is going on? And, and, and I get up, and she goes, we have to go to the hospital. Just calm. I'm like, we have to go to the hospital. Okay, we're going to the hospital. Let me get dressed. Wash my face off, get dressed. We go to the hospital. We sit there. She has kidney stones, chronic kidney stones. She has so many. I started naming them like hurricanes. Like She's had a lot, right? And so we, we went to the hospital, and, and the nurse looks at her. You know the nurse? They have that little chart of happy, sad, and they go, hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you? She's like, oh, solid 8. And I look at her and go, solid eight? Like, just deadpan, solid eight, yeah, yeah, solid eight. Okay, we'll get you back. Okay, that's great. Solid eight for me, I'm screaming. <laughs> right? Like, I'm screaming and crying. Why? We're physically, it's okay. It's okay to admit that. I know society wants us to go, everybody's the same. That is a lie. We're just not. We, we are different, and God created us different for different, different purposes, and that's okay. That's a beautiful thing. I'm not trying to have a baby. I, I don't want that pain. I, I watch the pain. No, thank you. Right? In the same way, like, we have different things. And so we're created, and it's not by an accident. It's according to God's specific plan that he created us this way. He created us this way. They are created um, and to need each other. We are created to need each other, to bond together in a truly special and extraordinary way. And to deny that is to deny God's creation. You see, upon the creation of Adam, before any mention of woman, God commanded him to, uh, man to both enjoy and protect the rest of creation, right? Except for he couldn't eat off of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And this ultimate responsibility is given directly to the men. I, I just want you to, because we always go, well, Eve ate the ugly fruit. Listen, I, I change the fruit every time. So Eve ate the ugly fruit, right? But 
but it was Adam's job. Read Genesis chapter 2. Read Genesis chapter 2. It was specifically given to him. The responsibility is given to man from the very beginning, and he never rescinded or amended his command to us to protect her. And from the man, he created a female version of the divine image. He specifically for the purpose that man would have a helpmate to help mate fulfilling his creation mandate. And in the woman, he finally found a suitable partner. Probably was looking at the gorillas going, they're kind of hairy. No, thank you. Right. Looked at the drafts and said too long. Right. He looked around and said, none of these are suitable. And she was clearly his equal, unlike any of the other animals, worthy of bearing the name Ish, Isha. And in the man and the woman had been formed, and they were worthy of giving themselves completely to each other. She is formed from the man equally of being, yet also for the man subordinate in role. There are two important implications of these facts. Number one, God himself declared the man needed to have an intimate partnership and the help of a woman in order to fulfill God's purposes. I just want to make that very clear. He, he said, guys, I know, you know, anymore, like, I'm not, I'm going to take, no, no, no. He said, you need the help of a woman. You, you've heard the old adage, behind every strong man, there's an amazing woman, right? I would say even stronger woman that's behind him, right? That, that, that's what he's talking about. You, you need somebody that stands there next to you. And women were created and mandated by God himself to come alongside as an equal partner, but in an assisting role. An equal partner. This seems to be a paradox because created and instituted by God according to Scripture, it was immediately lived out through Adam and Eve. His headship was affirmed and embraced in this act. Yet, in the same act, he boldly uh, affirmed and declared them equal in nature, naming in, uh, naming in respect himself and referring to her as bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You are everything of me and I'm all of you. I think John Legend did a great, great job with that song, right? He says, you're equal to me. There's one pastor put it this way. He said, God created male and female in his image equally, but he also made the male the head and the female the helper. It is God who wants men and women to be, uh, uh, men to be men and women to be women. And he can teach us the meaning of each. If we want to be taught, the man perceives the woman not as his rival, but as his partner, not as a threat, but because of her equality to himself, the only one capable of fulfilling the longing within. They felt no shame because they had nothing to hide from each other. They live in perfect integrity together. And the woman, uh, the man has to love his wife by accepting the primary responsibility for making their partnership platform and display God's glory. And the woman is to love her husband by supporting him, in the godly undertaking of what it means to be a man. But then you have the impact of sin coming on, right? So Genesis chapter 3, if you don't know, in our church, we, we, I refer to it as the dumpster fire. That's when it happened, right? And so the interesting and important is that in the garden event, they, they only sinned because they were dis disobeying God. His command was not to eat the ugly fruit. And they sinned against him and one another and one another by behaving in a manner that was contra uh, contradictory to God's mandate for them. Eve disrespected Adam and violated his God-giving headship by engaging in a conversation with the serpent. First step was, should have been the animal was talking to you, but she, she started talking to it. They had a whole conversation, said, hey, here's this, this tangelo, eat it. She said, I don't want to, but it kind of looks good. She go and he starts questioning God, right? She cracks it open, eats it, it's juicy, it's great. Then Adam, in turn, disrespected Eve and violated by standing dumbly by. Just, just real quick, gentlemen, 
our job is not to stand idly by. Our, our job is to protect creation, including our beautiful brides that are next to us. That, that is our job. And when we stand by and just kind of go, oh, well, I mean, I guess you're going to figure it out. One, God's like, idiot, right? Like, he, he kind of flips out. Our, our job is to stand in and say, hey, what does this look like? And instead of taking the responsibility of leadership, so many times we want to stand by. And I'm not talking about lording it over, but protecting and walk alongside. God declared the man to lead the woman and for her to assist. But here the woman leads and the man assisted, and thus began this ongoing war of the sexes that happens all to this day. Look at the immediate response, right? The, Adam, immediately. She did it. She took my initiative away, man. I mean, she forced me to eat that tangelo. I didn't really want to eat it. Like it was right there, and then I didn't want to peel it, and it got in my, under my fingernails, and it was kind of nasty, but I liked it. Like that, this immediately pointed at her, right? And then what'd she do? It's that serpent. The serpent made me do it. He didn't have nothing to do with it. He was over here standing stupid, twiddling his thumbs. You, God, you could have made a better man. Look at him. He, he kind of dumb. I got the serpent over here talking to me. I didn't even know. He didn't protect me. And then you get to verses 16 through 19, chapter 3, right? God explains the result of this gross violation in his created roles. He walks through. He's like, serpent, you're on your belly. Woman, you're going to have pain, the pain that dudes can't bear. And, and, and you're going to toil, gentlemen, for the rest of your life. You ever feel that way? You're going to toil for the rest of your life. And notice very carefully, however, God's uh, declaration of the idea of male headship is already present in these declarations, the consequences. Prior to that encounter with the serpent, the equality of being and differentiation of roles and authority were never a problem for man and woman. Problem uh, until the fall, there was never a problem. Not not a one problem. They rejoiced daily. Notice they were naked and unashamed. Nobody had a problem. They were, they met with God face to face in the garden. God was in the cut. Like, hey, what's up? Hey, dog. Hey. Everything was great. It wasn't until the fall, until we got everything twisted, until we decided to, oh, I know a better way to do this, that we started running out here. Sin nature came in. And as a result, sin is not any change. As a result, sin changes the God-given role. It was a drastic change, however, in how, in attitude and in reality, we walk. In Genesis 1-3, through Scripture tells us that from the beginning, God intended the roles for our relationship to each other. And on this important foundation, I want to look at how invaluable the role of women's are, uh, women are and how they fulfill God's glory. So here's the biblical value of women, if you're writing notes. The biblical value of women. In the Old Testament, you, you, you'll see that there were prophetesses all over the place. So we'll read through the Old Testament right now. And there are women prophetesses all over the place, speaking forth God's revelation to people. If you're not familiar, I'll give you a couple of right now. Miriam, uh, it's my da- daughter's middle name, uh, out of Exodus 15. Deborah in Judges chapter 4. Ezekiel issued judgment against specific daughters who prophesied pro- falsely, which implies they were prophesying. I know a lot of places are like, women don't prophesy. Apparently, you haven't read the Old Testament, so I'm going to read it for you real quick. Here we go. Uh, Ezekiel 13, 17 to 24. And Joel, inspired by the Holy Spirit, spoke of a day where the Spirit would be poured out on men. Oh, no. Hold on. Let me read that again. In Joel, he actually talked about when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on men and women. Just, just to clarify here. That, and that men and women would prophesy. I know some of us, more Baptists of us, are kind of getting kind of freaked out right now but i mean this is this is what it says right here okay here it at the same time again don't take it up with the bible not me okay i'm just reading what it says at the same time however it's very important and relevant to know the old testament uh um was only 
only the priest's instructions were declared authoritative. And you can go back to Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Malachi. But then move forward. Move forward to the New Testament. The, the Holy Spirit, talking through Paul, Paul mentions uh, the praise of several specific women and their tremendous contributions through the kingdom of God. Priscilla in Acts chapter 18. Priscilla was a seller of fine purple. I mean, honestly, Priscilla was like a fashionista. She's out here doing her own thing, had her side business. She was out there doing the thing. She was, she was uh, Swifty way before Swifty was a thing. Like She was killing it, right? And then she was teaching alongside her husband. She was, she was doing that. And, and, and matter of fact, he even calls her in, in Romans chapter 16 a fellow worker in the gospel. Just throw that out there, right? Okay, we'll keep going. He, he refers to, uh, I'm going to say, Uida, Uida and Sykeith. Uh, as women, which, by the way, don't name your children those names, uh, as women who struggle together with him in the gospel in Philippians chapter 4. I, I would even like to add the lady that's coming on Thursday. Her name is Julia, because she was with six other women as they went and preached the gospel in Sudan when, it wasn't, it, when women there didn't even have a voice because she went and preached the gospel. Inspired by God, Paul wrote that these women have been, spirit, have been given spiritual gifts. They also used them to minister to the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12 says. He says he used them. In fact, his analogy, the body refers to them as the role that is essentially indefensible. In speaking of the equality, the value of worth of each individual justified through Christ, Paul includes a short list of characteristics that make no difference and can't be held under those who are male or female. He says here is a list. He refers to women as praying and prophesying. You want to talk about women in the church. He also criticized them for how they're not doing so. Ladies, he uses you. The Spirit wants to use you to do great things. At the same time, Paul honors and lifts up the value of the service of women who he also repeatedly affirms the differential, the different, uh, differences in roles in ministry between men and women. He does both. In other words, Paul can walk and chew gum. It seems like we can only do one or the other in today's world. We, we either go over here and say, well, it's all of this, or we go over here and go, it's none of this. And Paul says, it's both of this. You can, you can, you can teach God's word. You can live. You can, there are great examples of this in today's world. You want some examples? Uh, for the younger folks in the world, there's a, girl, a lady named Jackie Hill Perry, amazing young lady uh, who uh, actually grew up in a lesbian lifestyle, gave her life to Christ, uh, is now married, has I don't know how many kids now, uh, and is on Instagram, TikTok, teaches the Word of God, leads women's conferences, does an amazing job. So uh, somebody that comes from a generation before, you can go like a Beth Moore, who does an amazing job of teaching God's Word. Matter of fact, she does better exegesis than some pastors I know. I mean, just be very honest, uh, you, we can cut that out later. But like, she does a great job with, I mean, she really does. Her Bible studies are tough and good and in-depth and teaches the Word of God. And there's so many other women that you can, but those are just two famous examples you can look out there uh, and, and dig into and, and, and know more about. Ephesians 5 and 22 and, and Colossians 3 also talks about these differentiations while at the same time walking in ministry. But what's the implications for us today? Like, that's a big question. What's the implication for us today? Like, what, what does that mean? Okay, great. There are people of old, right? Um, there, there, there are even women with tin pegs back in the day. Like there's, there's women back in the day that did all kinds of things. There's women in the New Testament that did all kinds of things. That, that plan what does that mean for us? Here's what it means. There's authority and leadership. Before you understand what all this means, you have to understand the, uh, the, the following. 
chapters 11 through 14, these next few weeks that we're going to be going through, Paul criticizes the Corinthians from deviating from God's teachings. That, that's all he's doing in these chapters. Regarding several areas of their meeting together and beginning with their attitudes, what this passage is really about. He talks about your attitude. In verse 3, it's essential that, uh, to understand the rest of the instruction. Paul not only refers to the relationship of man as the head of the woman, but also compares uh, uh, that equality to the relationship with Christ and God. Don't get it twisted. I want you to hear this. Don't get it twisted. Don't miss everything that follows an understood error. Christ voluntarily, Christ voluntarily submits to the Father with respect and trust. There's a heresy out there that says he eternally submits. It's not, it's not real. He, he voluntarily chooses to submit. He is in no way inferior in, in, the, in the Trinity. Paul wants to be sure that everybody and readers, even today, remember that it's also true that the relationship between man and woman should be that exact same way. Why? Why? So it's clear that his following words about specific roles and actions that are no means an example of inferiority or inequality. It is a choice. Ladies, I'm going to say that again. It is a choice to choose to submit within marriage or choose to submit within ministry. Gentlemen, it is our job to ensure that she flourishes. When we submit to Christ, Christ died to make sure that his bride flourished. Our job is to make sure our bride flourishes. In the same way that we as the church, his bride, choose to submit underneath his rule and authority. His reign. It's a beautiful thing. And we are, find our joy in his rule and reign over us, but at the same time, you see the expansion of his church, the expansion of his bride, the beauty going out from the world, and Christ helping us to flourish even more. That's what the roles were. The main point of the passage is a, divine, a divinely inspired reminder from Paul that both men and women in the church approach and worship the Lord in a manner that honors him. That's what it's talking about, that we, we honor God in the way that we worship him. And that we do it in relationship to one another. Now, let me just talk about head coverings. Because, you know, somebody's going to come back. Pastor, you didn't talk about the head coverings. Do I have to wear a doily on my head next Sunday? Uh, no, you don't have to. If you'd like to, and that's your hair, you know, do it. But no. But it's an outward expression of an inward problem. That's what he's talking about. It's an outward expression of an inward problem. And really, he's dealing with sin here. The specific use of symbolism of head covering was specific to their cultures. But, but, the, but the principles are universal. It's, it's not just a, a, a cultural thing. It's a universal thing. He, here's the scriptural teaching in a nutshell. Both men and women honor God by their public worship of him. That includes men acting like men and women acting like women, visibly showing others what it looks like to be men and women as they understand. An appreciation for one another's gender and God-given relationship with those of another gender. But to do otherwise would be offense not only to society, but also to one another and an offense of God. That's what he's talking about. Further, the very fact that Paul here is giving women instruction on how they should pray and prophesy in public and in worship testifies to the fact that they already were doing so in the New Testament church. You, you have to understand they're already doing it. But they were encouraged, and they were not, not just doing it, but they were encouraged to continue to do so. But in the right way, in the right attitude. You notice that, like, we, we tend to go to the, swing that ping, pendulum all the way there. He said, no, 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 in the right way with the right attitude. That is in a way that respects and honors the God-giving genders in relationships. So when it comes to speaking and teaching, I mean, First Timothy 2 talks, uh, talks about this. Titus 2 talks about it also. But once again, the judgment is reserved 
Uh, but I, I just want to consider the, the theme of the context of the letter. That, that Timothy talks about false teachings within the church in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He talks about false teachings within the church and what's going on and, and, and how do you maintain proper conduct within God's house. And we know from the full context of these letters that as well as in Titus and even some extra biblical documents if you want to get into it, that these false teachings at the time were, were mostly targeted at the women. They were mostly targeted at the women, which by the way, nothing's changed. We're in the 21st century and the same kind of crap has happened, right? We're still targeting the women when it comes to this stuff. And what it's doing is we're strongly persuading them to defy traditional roles and, and assert themselves over and above men. And what happens when we have this usurping role is that men then respond and become the, 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 the crazy people you see on YouTube. By the way, do not look up those people. I have made that mistake, and in, in, in YouTube's algorithm is, I'm still trying to get out of it. They're like, do you want some more entertainment? I'm like, no, I don't need any more. I watched one interview with the dude. Who was annoying as all get out. They're like, you want some more, don't you? He kept feeding me stuff. I'm like, please stop. Please stop. You. I started like click reporting it. <laughs> Every two, they report. No, I don't want it no more. So uh, yeah, Google's kind of confused by me. But that's what happens is you have these, these let, me, let me call them what they are. You have these boys who can shave because they're not men, who think they know what manliness is, who think they know what it means to be a man, but don't live for the flourishing of women under God's, uh, under God's direction, but live for the domination of women. And it's sickening. And on the flip side, you have these ladies who are taking full control of their body and everything else, and they're doing all the stuff for their own personal glory, and they're diminishing their own light. And they're being crushed and chewed up and spit out. And then wondering what happened on the flip side because they have freedom. And back and forth, you see the society sending out broken individuals, broken little boys, and broken women. And the church is called to stand in the gap and say, hey, how do we create God-fulfilled men and women? Knowing the full context here, when you dig into what it's actually talking about, we're not trying to persuade anybody to defy what God's word says, but understand what God's word says and submit to it. Because when we do that and we bring those roles outside the church, inside the church, it causes great discord and trouble within the church. And Paul here specifically is addressing the situation. He begins, and a matter of fact, he even says this uh, in 1 Timothy. So I'm going to read what 1 Timothy chapter 2 says. He says, let women learn, in spite of popular beliefs at the time, women were capable of learning. Um, and that literally was the reason why he said that, because people didn't think women could learn. He said, let women learn uh, um, and, and, and let them learn in silence and submission. And we go... Oh, because some of us, I don't know if you grew up in a church like that, where women sat in the back, doily on the head, and they couldn't say anything. It's about attitude, not action. Let me just clear it up now. It's about attitude, not action. The key word, attitude and action, comes with submission. Silence is an appropriate form of submission in this particular circumstance. In this particular circumstance, at that time, public worship, men were publicly praying and preaching. And in 13 and 14, they clearly affirmed that this was, again, not an issue of value or worth or ability, but honoring of God and honoring the distinct worlds he gave us. It also says not to teach or have authority over a man. We've already seen this elsewhere, but Paul, equally inspired by the Holy Spirit as he is here, acknowledges that he encourages women to pray. He encourages women to speak. He encourages women to teach in public, including times when men are present. I just want to say that again in case we all missed that. 
we, we just want to make that really, really clear. It is not a prohibition uh, against any or all teaching, but against authoritative teaching in that time. It's about prophesying and prayer, but what's the difference? W- what I call regular teaching is the acceptable and presence of men uh, is, is what's proclaimed. This is what you see and understand to be true and possibly, possibly from the Lord. Authoritative teaching is biblically prohibited for women, uh, undesignated, uh, and, and undesignated men. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to First First uh, Timothy three. Go to Titus chapter three. It's very, very specific. It's not just for anybody. It's a hard and scary thing to stand up every week and preach God's word. It's a humbling thing. And the problem that in Ephesus that Paul is addressing is that the uh, the letter to women and also the letter to these men was encourages anybody to interrupt. Anybody to get up, anybody to talk over, anybody to shout down, anybody to step into this, the official teachings of God's word. And in doing so, they, they ceased to be helpmates, the women in that time, and instead became usurpers and dominators. He said, hey, I, I need you to be quiet. That's the problem. That's the prohibition that he's dealing with. To answer the question, then, is it biblical for women to, women to speak, pray, public, lead worship, engage in what we call regular teaching in the church? Yes. Yes, it is. As long as they do so with a matter and attitude that is respectful to and continues to uh, represent God's authority. It's biblical for women to have authority to preach uh, God's word. If you don't believe me, go back and read the resurrection narrative. Just, I mean, it's it's just, it's right there. You know, uh, they're the first ones to the tomb, first ones to preach the gospel, first one to tell everybody. Even the disciples themselves are like, I don't believe you. And then John said, hey, I got to race Peter, which is hilarious to me. Races them back to the grave, right? Yes, yes, yes. Is it biblical for women to have authority to preach the word to men or publicly challenge the authority of preaching of, of, of a God called man? No. Not at least according to scripture. You have to walk and chew gum. It's a both and. Listen, I, I recognize there's a lot to digest. Again, fun week. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot to digest, but we, we have to be able to do this. We have to be able to show the world what it looks like to have God honoring men and women, what it looks like to live God's role, what it looks like for men, for us to step up and actually help our wives and the women around us to flourish in what God has called them to do. And when God has called them to go, when God has called them to mission, to, to, to lay hands and send them, when God has called them to help plant or to lead or to dig into God's word, not to go, no, 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 but to help them to go in the same way we do a young man. At the same time, ladies, I'm asking you to do the same thing with the men. To understand what it means to be equal. To be equal, but to work alongside In the almost 20 years that my wife and I have been together, I know I don't look it right, but almost the 20 years that we have been together, I have gone to my wife for about every decision I have. And here's what I mean by every decision. I have shirts, like this shirt I'm wearing today. Uh, We have a rule. If she buys me a shirt, uh, usually she buys me shirts in colors I would never wear. Um, You know, I like the basic colors, blue, white, black, gray, good colors, right? But she buys me stuff like mauve. And I'm like, I don't know what mauve is. Is that really a color? Apparently it is, okay? So she'll buy it to me. And then the rule is I have to wear it. And if I receive no compliments, I never have to wear it again. 
20 years, I've received a compliment every single time. And it doesn't matter what it is, I'll, I'll put it on. Somebody goes, that looks good on you. I'm like, shut up, I was almost there. <laughs> like, I was this close, about to get in my car and go home, I was going to be great, right? <laughs> like, and and she'll, she'll put me in things and she'll, she'll do stuff. But why? Because we work together as one. We work together as one. And I'm going to go to her and go, baby girl, help me out with this. Even last night, I, I'm, I'm, there's a decision, this thing I have to go do later on today, and I'm going to be talking to people in big wigs, and I'm going to deal with imposter syndrome, so you know, pray for your pastor. I'm going to be in a big room, and I went to her, and I said, hey, here's a, list of, here's a list of words. Help me think through this, and she'll help me. She'll go, hey, these are good, and what do you think about this, and we'll talk about that. Why? Why, why do we do that? But when it comes down to something big or in our house or we're going to buy a house or we're going to move, we're going to do something, we're going to talk, we're going to pray together, we're going to have conversations, we're going to work as one. Because that's what God has made us to be. Now, are we perfect? <laughs> no, no, I mess it up all the time. I really do. But that's the struggle of sin in our life, right? Here's a secret most people don't know. She's a heck of a Bible teacher. Most people have no idea. She's a heck of a Bible teacher. I love, one, hearing her teach, and also, two, hearing when people get to sit under and listen to her teach. Heck of a Bible teacher. People go, oh, well, you're the pastor. Matter of fact, a couple years ago when I was uh, serving in our, our convention of churches and she got up to speak and people kept coming up to me afterwards. Oh, you want to talk about something that ticked me off? Came up to me and go, did you write that for her? Have you lost your mind? I didn't even know what she was going to say. I don't need to write stuff for her. I don't need to baby her. Hey, you need to say this when you get in front of 2,000 people. She got up and said what God led her to say. Why? Because she's a God-fearing, humble woman that can do that for herself. She doesn't need me, but yet we work together to bring God glory. That's the way it works. We can work together. And she can work as side of me as equal, but choose to submit to me as I do everything I can to help her to flourish and and do everything for God's glory, even at my detriment. Because, men, just a reminder, when we look at the authorities in the church, women always go, man, Proverbs 31, that woman was, man, she she had it all. I mean, she had a business, she got up early, her kids liked her, my kids barely liked me. Like, you got the whole thing, right? Gentlemen, we got Jesus. He died for her. He sacrificed for her. He made sure that everything that she needed, he provided. That's our standard. Not that Proverbs 31 woman isn't bad. That's a bad mamma jamma. I've read her multiple times. Gentlemen, you have Jesus. If you want the woman in your life, the people alongside you, to submit, like biblically submit, you have to treat her the way Jesus treated the church. Ladies, if you want to find a man that's worth your while to walk with in the authority of God's word that you'll be willing to submit underneath, walk like a Proverbs 31 woman. It's a beautiful match made in heaven. In the days that we're doing that well are the best days of our lives. Let me end with this. I just want to consider the words of uh, this lady. Her name is Dorothy Patterson. You may not know who she is. Very godly woman, pastor's wife, author, and she, she, she wrote this. The church has never sought to suppress the gifts that God has given, 
but rather strives to ensure the full and proper use of those gifts in a divine, divinely given framework based upon natural order of creation in the appropriateness of function with the master plan. One cannot accept the Bible as authoritative while rejecting the authority concerning home or the church's order. One cannot negate the truths concerning the structure of the church and home. Such an image of the relationship between God and Israel and both Christ and his church just to satisfy the cultural whim or accommodate higher plateaus of education or opportunity. One cannot lift outward manifestations such as a man's prayer posture or a woman's head covering and use them to ridicule or belittle the timelessness directives given to protect and edify men and women within the kingdom of God. Without a doubt, ladies, there are a variety of positions, service, influence, even leadership and teaching in the early church and the text of scripture that bear witness to the functions that you can do. I pray you take them up in this church too. I pray you take them up in this church too. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you that you have provided this church and many others with godly women. Thank you that we have the opportunity to show a society around us what it actually looks like to be Holy Spirit-filled men and women that live for you. Father, in my life, in every person in this room's life, I just ask that you convict us over this Lenten season of what it means and what it looks like to actually be a God-fearing woman, a God-fearing man, or even a God-fearing child. It is so easy just to capitulate to society. To look to society and say, hey, this is the way we think it should be. Instead of looking to you and saying, God, what would you have us to do? Humble us. Wherever we hold on to society's norms, humble us. Break us and open our eyes. Empower the women of this congregation. Empower the women in, this, in your kingdom to do the work, to come out of the shadows and do the work you've called them to do. And empower the men to become men and to step into the role that you've called them to do to help this church and the women around them to flourish, to be more like you. Thank you, Jesus, that you would give us this. And Father, thank you that you would call us to such a high calling. As society looks at us, let us look different. Let us do so in a way that honors you. We pray this all in your precious name. In all God's saints, we'll say. Thank you for listening to the audio of Soma Community Church located in Jefferson City. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for the content or alter it in any way without express written permission. For more information about Soma, please visit us at www.somajc.org.